I was dating a girl at the time that was in property management and she heard me complaining about the job and said, well, why don't you go to real estate school and get your real estate license? Cause it's still sales and you know, you'd probably be good at it. So I said, okay, let's do it. So I, that's exactly what I did. Hi, you're listening to That Really Happened, Unbelievable Real Estate Stories. I'm your host, Ellie Perlman. If you're a real estate investor, this is the podcast for you. Our guest speakers will bring you amazing, intriguing, and unbelievable stories about real estate investing. The stories will be an honest and transparent account about what it actually means to invest in real estate. You'll hear stories that investors don't usually share. Stories about hardships, breaking points, painful truths, and surprising realizations. Sometimes there's a happy ending, and sometimes the story ends very differently than you would expect. So let's get the show started. Hello and welcome to That Really Happened, Unbelievable Real Estate Stories. I'm Ellie Perlman, here to bring you the personal side not often heard from the most successful, interesting, and entrepreneurial people who made it big in real estate. When I'm not behind the mic, I buy multifamily properties and help investors like you join me on all my deals so you can get double-digit returns without the need to find, negotiate, close, and manage the property. If you enjoy the podcast, please take a minute to subscribe to the show. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and basically everywhere. You can go to my website, ellieperlman.com, to subscribe to the show. So let's get started with our show today. I'd like to welcome Scott Bauer to the show. Hey, Scott, how are you? Doing phenomenal. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. All right, perfect. Did I pronounce your last name correctly? You did. Bauer. That is right. Bauer. Okay, great. So a little bit about Scott. He started his real estate career with doing sales with Keller Williams Realty and closed over $2 million in volume during his first year. $2 million. Scott then quickly realized that being a realtor was not for him. And since then, he has moved into investment space flipping and flipping over 150 residential properties and building a portfolio of over $20 million in closed volume to date. He's also the host of the Invest This podcast, interviewing only the elite of real estate investors for his listeners. Now, with his knowledge and experience, he's moving into larger investment opportunities in multifamily and commercial real estate, focusing on building strong relationships with his investors, providing solid returns and building wealth for his family. And today, Scott is going to share with us an amazing story about kicking off his career after a brain injury at the age of 17. It's a great story, so let's get started. So, hey again, Scott. Really happy to have you on the show today. Glad to be here. Absolutely. All right. So, you're going to share your own story today and how you actually got to where you are today, really involved with really big deals and, and managing a large portfolio. And I want to, you know, go back to the age of 15 or 16. Can you tell me and the listeners, where you are and, and kind of what's happening. Absolutely, yeah. You know, back when I was in high school and a really young guy, I was a rebel, I guess is the right word for it. I raced motocross at a very high level and that basically took over my life. Didn't have a, I raced with a team and, and, and was surrounded by that all the time. And so 
didn't put a lot of emphasis on my family, on my friends at that time, and just focused on on racing. And you know, didn't really account for school. Didn't care about it. Was running around with the wrong crowd. Although I was doing very well racing motocross, I wasn't doing very well in the rest of my life. And at that point in my life, I didn't have a good relationship with my family. Didn't have a good relationship with my friends. Well, the right friends. You know, I was going down the path that could have turned into something very bad later in life. I was, you know, sm smoking weed when I was very young and just doing things that weren't guiding me in the right direction until, as the universe would have it, one day I was practicing racing motocross and I put myself into a, a bad accident and uh, ended up in a coma for 10 days and spent 32 days in the hospital, three and a half weeks of outpatient therapy and had a traumatic brain injury. Wow, what happened there? What caused the uh, injury? The you know, what happened that day? Well, racing motocross, uh, you may or may not know, is a very dangerous and competitive sport. Uh, you're on a motorcycle, you're going very fast, you're jumping. Every single time you ride it, you're risking your life. And that was what I love to do. I'm still an adrenaline junkie today, but just <laughs> not in capacity. So that's what caused the accident. And that was a big shift in my life. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I can relate to that. I'm actually... I love cars and I love driving uh, and I take, you know, driving lessons and on the track and, you know, learning how to bring my car to the maximum level of what I feel comfortable with. But I think, you know, racing is a whole nother level. So especially on a motorcycle, I mean, when you're, you don't really have a lot of protection. So, so you were racing and you got into an accident. What happened there? You, you just crashed? Yep, crashed. It was over a new jump that had been built. It was I was actually just practicing for racing. It was a weekend that I had off of racing and I would just go practice with my friends around a track in Iowa where I'm from. And that's where it all happened. You know, this is one of those things where sometimes you don't realize you don't expect things to happen like they're going to. I certainly did not think that this was going to happen to me at that time based on the level of experience I had from a very young age and at that point in my life with racing and riding dirt bikes. I, I mean, this is something that I plan to do for the rest of my life at that time. So I didn't think that this was going to be, was ever going to happen, but it did. And thankfully it did because that made a big shift in my life and went from not having a you know major impact, importance put on my family and my friends to now all of a sudden after the accident, everything changed. Uh, the accident happened when I was 16 years old, thankfully. It was my uh, sophomore year of high school. And when it just happened to be on June 5th of 2005. So that's right when the summer started. And thankfully, I had the summer to recover and ended up going back to school on time my junior year. And really nothing changed, although I did have a traumatic brain injury, which I'm very lucky to be here today uh, and have no repercussions whatsoever from it, at least not now, but was thankful to be able to go back to school on time and actually ended up starting my first company the year after I got out of the hospital. And we can talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I want to listen, you know, to that part. That's definitely an, an, an intriguing and interesting part of your own journey. But I wanted to know when you're 16, you're laying on the hospital bed, you have this, you know, brain injury how do you feel that just laying there? Do you understand that your lifestyle was kind of, you know, dangerous or are you just, are you upset and just, you know, want to go back there and, and, you know, just ride again? Take me to your, the Scott of what year was it? 2005. 
Right. Yeah. So at this point in time, when you have a traumatic brain injury like I did, there are, I was in a coma for 10 days, which you don't remember anything in a coma. And there was three and a half weeks after I woke up from the coma where I don't remember at all anything either. And the reason for that is because when you, when I was put into a medically induced coma, the, the way the doctors explain it to me is within the human brain, we have all of our wires that are connected. Okay. And what happened was when I had the traumatic brain injury, all those wires got disconnected. And it was a very slow, gradual process for me to get up and running again. I had to relearn how to read, how to write, how to walk, how to talk, how to eat my food again, how to live wow. again. And that's why most people that have a traumatic brain injury like I did are nowhere near where I'm at now and why I'm so blessed to be here today. There was another individual with a very similar name as mine. My name's Scott Bauer. His name was Scott Green. And he had the same type of accident that happened to him. The weirdest and most ironic thing about it is we had the same exact birthday. Very odd. But he, and we came in, we got admitted to the hospital within minutes of each other. And we had a similar injury. The difference was that I was wearing a helmet and all my protective gear. He was not. And he, he was actually on a four-wheeler just going down a ditch uh, and, and, and wrecked. And, but he had a very similar injury. And anyways, he did not recover. They ended up, when you have a traumatic brain injury, a lot of times what happens is your your brain will swell up yeah. and they will have to relieve pressure somehow. And a lot of times that means going in and opening up the skull to relieve that pressure. Well, thankfully for me, that did not have to happen, but for him it did. And even today, he never graduated high school. He has learning disabilities. He'll always be in assisted living care. And, uh, you know, just a very, I'm, I'm so blessed to be here today. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, thank God for, you know, having a, 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 you know, helmet and protective gear, because that's, you know, this is why you're standing be, you know, on the other side of, uh, of the mic and, and talking to me today. That's amazing. So, so you went through the whole process of, you know, recovering after you woke up from the coma, and you're, you're coming back home, then what happens? Well, then, I mean, I, I took the rest of the summer to recover. It's so about three months and went back to school. I wasn't 100% by that point at all, but it at least allowed me to get back into school. What does it mean that 100%? Well, when you have a brain injury like that, it takes time to put all the wires back together. So I could still, you know, I could, I was a normal teenage kid again. And thankfully, actually, that I was that young when it happened, because uh, you're just still developing at that point, you're still your brain is still developing. And so I, I give it, you know, for that reason, why I had a full recovery, but uh, you know, you're just not you're different. It's a whole different it's, it's kind of hard to explain. Uh, now that you're asking me the question, but you're just a little bit different when you're trying to recover from an injury like that. And so when, but yeah, I mean, when I went back to school, it was just, you know, I, it was my junior year of, of high school and, you know, I, I kind of just picked up where I'd left off before I had the accident. And, you know, from a business standpoint, I was, I'm a car guy myself, love cars. I owned a car, ended up owning a car detailing company. That's the first company that we're going to talk about in a second. But when I got out of the hospital, before I went in the hospital, I worked, it was my second job. I worked for a car dealer detailing all their cars. And when I got out of the accident, I tried going back to work for them right away. And I just, I just couldn't do it because of the injury. It just, I wasn't all there yet. Mm -hmm. And so I took about another month off, but found another dealer to detail their cars and did it, did it for a while for them. But I knew a better and more efficient way to do it. And they didn't like that. And so 
I took some of the customers that were there and I was detailing their cars anyways. And I said, Hey, you know, I'm going to go off and do this on my own. I'll, I'll do it for cheaper. It's me doing it anyways. You know, would you have interest in doing that? And that's how I started the company to begin with. And then just word of mouth marketing kind of brought everything together and it turned into, it turned into something that I could come back and work only in the summertime and make several thousand, ten, $12,000 as a high school kid. Um, that's pretty in the good. Summertime. Pretty good. Yeah, yeah, pretty good. And so that was kind of my first entrepreneurial venture. Did you have to go and find a space for, I mean, for the summertime to, to clean the cars or did you, what did you do? Cause I'm really interested in how you can create a business, you know, in such a short period of time and only for the summer and then go back to school. So my mom, I, I owe a lot of it to my mom. My mom was an executive for John Deere, John Deere tractor company, uh, the financial side of it. And so Des Moines, Iowa, where I'm from, they have a very large presence. And so she passed around my business cards to everybody in her office. And that is really how I had most of my clientele because I could do three cars in a day and it was beneficial for the people working at the business because I'd pick up the car in the morning, have it detailed and have it back to them by the end of the day. So they would go to work with a dirty car and come out of work with a clean one. And it was just, it was a win-win all the way around. And as far as the space goes, I was very thankful and I guess blessed that we lived, we had a few acres where my parents lived and a very large driveway that I could detail in. So that's where that came from. Now, this wasn't a full-fledged business where I was registered with an EIN number and paying, you know, I'm mean, paying taxes. I hope there's not a lot of people listening to this podcast that's going to, you know, hear that. But I was just, uh, I was a high school kid getting my entrepreneurial muscle, you know, working that out from a very young age. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think it's amazing that not only you started your first company when you were a teenager, but also after suffering from a brain injury and you were not, like you said, 100%. So I'm assuming maybe, I don't, and I don't want to project, I'm not a doctor by any means, uh, but, you know, maybe hard to focus, maybe something in your personality change. I don't know. But, you, you know, not being 100% and starting a business at the age of 17 after a trauma to the brain, I think that's pretty spectacular. So you went back, you started, you're 17 years old, you're starting you know, this new company doing that, you know, uh, during the summer, how did you end up from that point to doing what you're doing today, which is, you know, buying real estate, or actually you started selling properties for William Keller, which probably everyone is familiar with, but how did you, what happened during those years? So I'm going to take you down the path because it's a pretty cool path. So from the detailing company that I started, I met a guy uh, in Iowa who was the president of the third largest third-party logistics company in the country at the time. Uh, and if, for all the listeners that don't know what that is, it is a end-to-end supply chain management company. So if you had a product, you have to manufacture the product, you have to store the product, ship the product, you have to have staffing that runs your whole operation, etc. And so he was the president of this company that was based out of Iowa. So him and I built a great relationship with each other. And he was really my first mentor when it comes to, you know, business. And when, you know, when I was going to go to college, he said, why don't you come intern with me during the summers while you're in college at Jacobson Companies, which was the company he was the president of. And I'll teach you each and every part, every, you know, the four years you're in college, I'll teach you a different part every year and of the logistics service. And then when you graduate, you can go anywhere in the country you want to go, we'll make a position for you. Pretty good deal, right? So yeah. that's exactly 
exactly what I did. I went and during the summertime, not only was I detailing cars during during the summer, but I also interned with him and learned all the different pieces of Jacobson companies and how to maximize it and how to be good at it, how to be, you know, how to do it. And when I graduated, I had my choice. Where do you want to go? And really the three choices, I mean, it wasn't unlimited. I couldn't just go anywhere I wanted, but we basically uh, decided between Atlanta, Georgia, Phoenix, Arizona, or Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And after visiting the three places, Phoenix was by far the place for me. So moved here and worked for Jacobs and Companies for about a year. But because I had not only the entrepreneurial spirit and not only, you know, I, I only work for myself really up to this point. And so, when I was working for the 7,500 person company now, where there is structure and guidelines and you can't just, whenever I had an issue, I would just call Mark, which was the president. You, you can't do that in corporate America. So I got in trouble for that and did very, very well. Ended up growing the company footprint here within the specific side that I was in 300% in only 12 months. I mean, we just, I got here and wow, that was it got here, didn't know anybody. So I focused on work and I focused on working out and staying healthy and that was it and did very well. But because of the problems I just talked to you about, wasn't for me. So I was, I was dating a girl at the time that was in property management and she heard me complaining about the job and said, well, why don't you go to real estate school and get a real estate license? Cause it's still sales and you know, you'd probably be good at it. So I said, okay, let's do it. So I, that's exactly what I did. <laughs> Went to real estate school at nighttime, got my real estate license and tried doing both. Tried working for this company, Jacobson Companies, and being a realtor at the same time. That just didn't work. You have to burn the boats. You have to commit in order to succeed. So I quit my job and dove with both feet into real estate and you know, that was the beginning of this fantastic career that I've, that I'm operating in now. And you started, was Keller Williams your first uh, job as a realtor? Yeah. Yeah. So I had met a guy that was, had a team on for Keller Williams and he paid for me to get my real estate license actually. And then I joined his team right off the bat. And once again, found out that I don't like working for other people. So mm -hmm. that lasted for about two weeks and then decided to go off on my own and do it and did 2.2 million in sales my first 12 months with Kelly Williams. But that's not the way, I mean, you know, you say that and some people out there might be like, wow, that's a lot, but I can tell you it's not. I mean, I was, although Keller Williams was hooting and hollering and saying, oh, good job. You're doing so good. I was looking at my bank account. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I made mean, like $42,000 that year, really, that was going to me. So anyways, joined ASRIA, which is the local real estate investment association here in Arizona, and learned that there were other ways to make money in real estate. And actually had a guy named Dave Lindahl and speak at ASRIA. And instantly he was like, that's my guy. I'm going to figure out what he's doing. So paid, borrowed $11,000 from my mom and signed up for his coaching. And he taught me how to buy apartment buildings with other investors and share in the profits, also known as syndication. So that was really the start, you know, of my investing career. And what that really led me to was kind of getting into the single family whole space as well, because Dave Lindell had an event here in Phoenix and an individual got up on stage who had gone through his program and had had some success. And I saw that. And so I wanted to reach out to this guy and called Lindell's office, got this individual's phone number and blew him up for a month before he even took my call. But 
once he did, I'd said, Hey, you know, let me just buy a cup of coffee. We, uh, I want to pick your brain. And, and he agreed to do that. And, uh, we ended up when we met for coffee, we ended up meeting for like two and a half hours, really hit it off. And he said at the time, this was in 2012, right when the market was starting to pick up again, right when people were, the bottom had fallen out in 2008, 2009, people lost everything, but now things are starting to pick up again. And he said, you know, apartments are great, but you know, you can only do three, four of them a year, you know, and you're, you're working a long time. They're not, the paydays are spaced out, et cetera. And he's like, I have these, these buddies in Salt Lake City, Utah that are crushing wholesaling houses. And he's like, you know, that's a smaller market. We can just go, I'll, go up there, see what they're doing, and then come back down here to Phoenix and we'll just implement what they do and we should have the same success or better. And so that's exactly what we did. Went up there, job shadowed them for four days, figured out what they were doing, and then came down to Phoenix and implemented exactly what they're doing. So that was before you started investing in multifamily? You, you, you decided based on you know hearing that guy on the stage that you wanted to reach out to him and then from what he told you, you decided, okay, I'm going to start, I'm going to try wholesaling, which is you know, in a way kind of similar to brokering a deal, which basically it's pretty similar. So you could probably use your skills in sales as a salesman and as a broker in that kind of career path. That was before you decided to kind of go into multifamily, right? Right, right, okay, right. Got right, it. Right. Yep. yep. So you know, I took the shift, you know, I, I learned how to invest in multifamily. I figured it out, but I was only 20, 20 four or five. And so to think about going to buy this, you know, $20 million piece of property was just like above my head and at the time. So anyways, and I had experience as a realtor. So I knew how to, you know, I just knew more about single family at this point. So I said, you know, path of least resistance, let me just do this. So anyways, him and I worked together for about six months. And once again, you'll, you'll hear a common theme. I found out that I don't like working for other people. And that's kind of exactly what it was. He was paying for all the marketing and I was doing all the rest. I was making all the deals happen, but he was getting the majority of the money and I was doing all the work. And that's typically how it happens. And, you know, when you're starting something or, you know, as you start a business, that, that, yeah. that can happen. Yeah, it's not, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's kind of your, you know, sweat equity and, and you, you want to make sure it's, it's fair, but I think, you know, it, it get you started. And from there you can, you know, choose your own path and continue. But at the beginning, you kind of, I think, need to work with someone more experienced. And so I think when you just start, it's not necessarily about how much you're making. Right. Right. And that's exactly right. But I noticed that that was what the case. And I, I did just that. It took six months to figure out how to play the game, so to speak, and let somebody else make some money. And then I decided that I'm going to go do this on my own. And so from that was in 2013. And so the end of 2013, uh, beginning of 2014, I started my company and we started wholesaling houses uh, as a company and have been doing that ever, you know, ever since. We've been expanding the operation quite a bit every single year. And I guess it's got us to where we're at now. So we pretty exciting. Yeah. Well, very, very interesting story. I like the the theme of, you know, of you starting something new, then realizing pretty early on that I really, there's better ways to do it. I, I understand how to make it happen and I don't want to work for someone else and I want to do it, you know, on my own. I think that's, uh, you're kind of the, the classic 
entrepreneur that it's kind of it's it's in your blood it's it's got nothing to do with a certain industry or certain boss or certain company you're always going to feel like that because you know your own yeah I think entrepreneurs are born I think you can definitely cultivate entrepreneurship you can teach it but I think in many cases you were born with it and that's something that you can fight it but you know but you're, you're going to lose if you're going to fight it, right? It's, it's, uh, it's bound to happen. Right. Well, and the other thing too, and I think this is very important, is when I had my accident, you know, I found out when you talk about what was different when I woke up from the accident and really what was different was gratitude because now all of a sudden I was given a second chance to live this life and there's a reason why I was given a second chance. It doesn't have anything to do with money. It doesn't have anything to do with fame or success or anything like that. There's a reason why I was given a second chance. And I'm not entirely sure what that reason is yet, but I can tell you that I'm headed that way. And this is going to be my vessel to get there. And whatever I'm going to earn or make or do within this real estate space is going to affect people in a positive way. Now, this year, I've built up more of a portfolio of single family houses, and I've syndicated an apartment complex and continue to do that as we move forward and more opportunities come in front of us. Right now we're working on 196 unit portfolio of single family homes, which is pretty exciting. You know, so there's a reason for all this and I'm excited to be here and I'm excited to explore what that reason is and I'm excited to get back. Wow. That's uh, well, thank you so much for sharing your story. If you could, you know, look back to your maybe, I don't know if 16, usually I ask the question, the question goes, if you can, could look back to your twin and, and give advice to your 20 year old self, what would you say? Probably with you, I will amend it to your 16 years old or 17 years old. If you can look back, what would you say to 17 year old Scott? You know, I don't think, and that's a, that's a good question. Part of, you know, some people would say, oh, you'd say, you know, don't get on that dirt bike, don't go race, don't go, you know, put yourself at risk like that. But to be honest with you, I would not be where I'm at today had that not ever happened to me. And so I'm a very, very, very firm believer in that everything happens on purpose and that everything that's going to happen is going to happen regardless whether you want it to or not. And I'm so blessed to be here and I'm blessed that that happened to me at the time that it did. I'm blessed that I've had to go through these struggles and, you know, had to overcome the adversity because you learn a, a, another gratitude of life. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I can totally relate to that. Well, thank you so much, Scott, for being here on the show and sharing your story. And Scott, if uh, the listeners want to reach out to you, where can they find you? Absolutely. I'd, I'd invite everybody to come listen to my podcast, uh, investthispodcast.com, or you can find us in any other podcast arena, Google, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher. I mean, you name it, we're out there. Send me a personal email just to scott.bauer at hbsbholdings.com. I'm going to say that again because a lot of people will <laughs> mistake it. It's scott, S-C-O-T-T, period, Bauer, B-O-W-E-R, at hbsbholdings.com. Perfect. And we're going to also have it on the show notes so our listeners can actually go there and easier access if they would like to reach out to you. Well, thank you again. It was uh, really, really fun to hear your story. And uh, I hope you're not driving any more uh, dirt bikes today. <laughs> well, that's the funny thing. I don't race dirt bikes anymore, but I do still ride motorcycles. And I've now switched to four wheels. So we just get off road with four wheels now. And it's and with age, you get a cage, and that's exactly what we're doing. <laughs> all right. All right. Cool. Well, have a good one. Thank you so much. 
Take care. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.